This podcast is being published late due to family illness, but I wanted to go back and make sure we had a show for today for completeness of the archive. Coming up on podcast 1561, the US tax credit woes continue for the likes of Audi and Kia. We'll try and dig into that. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Also on the podcast today, we're looking at BMW's strategy from 2025, Fisker's latest and a new update to the Lucid. Well, those stories and a lot more coming up on today's podcast. Good morning, good afternoon or good evening. Wherever you're listening in the world, welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information. For Saturday 13th of August, my name is Martin Lee and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. We'll start with some news about the US tax credit situation, all wrapped up in the inflation Reduction Act bill. Now, by the way, the House, I should have mentioned yesterday, the House passed the healthcare and climate spending package yesterday, sending the landmark piece of legislation now to Joe Biden's desk. And it should just be a formality, maybe even a matter of hours before he signs that into law ahead of the midterms in November. A very, very big piece of legislation, this for electric vehicles. It's a big step towards combating the climate crisis and reducing healthcare costs, but also the EV tax credit in there as well, I think will do a huge amount for stimulating a domestic battery and um, materials, raw materials supply chain in the US. Hey, I've got no skin in this game. I'm thousands of miles away in the UK. But at the minute, look, China is the only one in the game. And so this is a good thing. It spreads out the balance of power around the world a little bit more. The passage of the bill through the House came five days after the Senate approved the package uh, following a marathon session. $369 billion in funds aimed at expanding renewables and lowering emissions. And there is some discomfort with some of the car makers around the EV tax credit with the passing of this package, uh, there is now some kind of question marks around from the likes of uh, Kia, um, Audi, Porsche have mentioned this as well yesterday, saying the buyers of their EVs will lose access to the federal tax credit. Now, as a proportion of the vehicles, if you're buying a Porsche, it is probably an inconvenience, but also there are some limits on uh, how much money you can earn. And so, you know, I'm guessing if you're shopping for 150 grand Porsche, you probably, well, you might already be ineligible because of those those limits on income. But either way, uh, Audi, Porsche, Kia and more uh, saying that as soon as Joe Biden signs it, they are in a bit of a disadvantage because they'll be ineligible. Criticism coming from the European Union as well and South Korea. The bill does allow credits for customers with binding contracts for vehicles not yet delivered. So uh, Biden hasn't signed it yet. So get an order, not a reservation, not a pre-order, get an assigned order in and you'll get the existing federal tax credit unless you're buying a Tesla or a, a Bolt or something. Kia said in a letter to its US dealers that the bill means all of its EV and plug-in vehicles will not qualify for tax credits from the beginning of the year. Kia urged dealers to reach out to customers on waiting lists to enter into a contract before it's signed into law. Now, the letter was confirmed yesterday, called the sudden change disruptive to our business, according to Kia. Porsche saying yesterday the buyers of the Taycan and the plug-in Cayenne and Panamera will lose eligibility once the legislation is signed. And so there's so many implications to this as well. It's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Now, 
Let's talk a little bit more about Lucid giving the air a new stealth pack. Lucid Motors getting mean with their stealth look exterior package available for the touring, the grand touring and the performance versions. It brings changes to 35 exterior components. It takes out some of the silver trim, replaces it with dark grey and black gloss, satin graphite, they call it. Stealth polished is one of the finishes. Uh, Two new wheel designs as well. Even the mirror caps get a dark finish. Stealth mode is coming to the Lucid Air. Again, a car that not many people can even afford to buy, and even fewer have because they're having some stickiness in terms of ramping um, production there. It's a $6,000 option, and uh, I'll pop a link to that story in the show notes if you'd like to read more. A company that, again, gets a lot of attention, and they're so close to bringing a car to market, but it should be importantly said they haven't yet. Hopefully they will. I think they're doing all the right things. They are Fisker, and Fisker saying yesterday they're exploring options to manufacture in the United States. Uh, What with the Uh, Production of their first vehicle, the Ocean SUV, starting uh, with um, an external manufacturer, that'd be Magna, making that for them in Austria. Uh, US manufacturing means that they could become eligible because part of the new tax credit situation is they cars have to be assembled in the US. And so they won't be eligible yet, but if they make their cars in the US and the batteries tick all the right boxes, man, this is confusing then they could well get $7,500 off for their customers, at least per vehicle. The company said it's sold out the Sport and Ultra variants of their Ocean SUV for the 2023 model year. Production of the SUV starts in November at Magna's Austrian unit. Link to Fox Business to read more about what Fisker are getting up to in the show notes. Now, what of BMW? Haven't spoken about them too much lately. Uh, Well, BMW are saying that they want to continue their power of choice, and that includes hydrogen from 2025. They've been experimenting with fuel cell technology for many years, and they were one of the first brands to introduce a production car back in 2005 with a 7 Series hydrogen. Now, this has been going on, this is almost 20 years later. Hydrogen, by the way, for personal transport, is always 10 or 20 years away. And it always will be. (laughs) Uh, Well, later this year, they're going to assemble an iX5 with hydrogen power. But earlier this month, BMW Group Oliver Zipser, uh, CEO, saying that the next-gen iX5 is being considered for hydrogen power, according to BMWblog.com. They write, in an interview this week with Nikkei Asia, sales chief Peter Notter said a mass-produced hydrogen car will arrive, will arrive, as early as 2025. Wow. A mass-produced BMW 2025. We're like two years away. You know, that's, that's a blink of an eye in car world. Either way. Interestingly, BMW is once again teaming up with Toyota. Now, after Toyota have invested a huge amount of their, not only money, but reputation, saying that the future is hydrogen. Not surprised they're reaching out to anyone and everyone that they can to try and get them on board. So Toyota helping out BMW with the hydrogen project. Uh, Peter Notter adding the two companies are working together on various projects and a deeper alliance. Oh, BMW, what are you doing? 
by expressing their commitment to hydrogen, uh, they'll cover all the bases, they say, for the power of choice. You could argue, by the way, that the power of choice is a weakness because it's ultimately a compromise. So you can build a car and say to your customers, what do you want, petrol or diesel or electric or plug-in or hydrogen? But that means that you can't make more efficiencies in terms of the factories you're building, your supply chains, rather than ordering, you know, one million widgets for that one thing that you make. You're having to compromise yourself, supply chains, pricing, availability of parts, all those things, even down to the training of everyone who builds those vehicles. So, you know, long-term listeners know I don't think that's the right way. And as I will always say as the caveat to this, I'm an idiot on a podcast, and I'm not signing the checks at BMW. That might be the right thing for them to do. But I just know that the compromised cars that I've driven are never as good as pure EV. I mean, with the exception, I would say, of the Kona and the Nero, because I do think they are great EVs, uh, and they were built on a platform that was designed to take either electric or combustion or plug-in hybrid technology. I think those are very, very good cars. But apart from that, a pure EV is always, is always better but anyway, good luck, BMW. Oh, talking BMW, Rolls-Royce, should, I should give them a mention as well. Uh, they do have a different strategy. Rolls-Royce have their head screwed on. They're going pure electric by the end of the decade. They're not messing around at the edges with hydrogen, Rolls-Royces, what? Um, next year's Spectra EV leading the way. Mini, too, will say goodbye to combustion next decade. And I'll ultimately, in case you're new to the podcast, you haven't heard this, uh, it's not a rant, but you haven't heard this spiel um, before. I'm not ideologically against hydrogen or any fuel that is zero emission. As long as it's green hydrogen, it's made with renewables, not by fo- using fossil fuels to generate it. The problem is, is the dream, the dream for hydrogen fans, well, oil companies, fossil fuel companies, is to move us all from the current model, which is buying petrol, diesel, fuel that they make, they make it, and they set the price. They hate the fact that you can put solar panels on your roof and generate your own. Or even if you haven't got a roof that you can put it on, that you can take part in an energy market that until now they've controlled. The problem is... No one has yet solved the answer of how do you put a hydrogen filling station on every corner. So you can sell hydrogen cars and the ones that have been made by Toyota and on, they're actually really good pieces of engineering, of technology, but you can't fill them up anywhere. And so as good as they are, if you can't fill them up, you're never going to drive one. And governments, as we head into a recession, possibly extended, are not going to invest hundreds of billions, trillions of uh, of their own money into building hydrogen fuel stations. The car companies can't even build chargers for EVs, let alone, again, the hundreds of billions required for a comprehensive hydrogen distribution network on par with finding a petrol and diesel pump on every corner. They all want somebody else to pay for it. And for the last bazillion years, they've all been arguing that somebody else should pay for the hydrogen filling network. So they can make the vehicles. That's great. But you can't fill them up. So there you go. That's my, there's the spiel for anyone that hasn't heard it. I'm not against hydrogen. Probably It probably will work with planes and buses and trains and, and fixed point infrastructure where you can have a filling station um, and, you know, you charge all of your trains, all of your buses, all of your planes. But the idea of us all driving them for our cars is just bonkers because 
the infrastructure will never, ever be built because no one's going to pay for it. No one is going to do a Tesla and build a supercharging network of hydrogen. So uh, let's move on. On the way soon, we'll talk about BYD batteries and why Tesla uh, stopped taking orders for one of their cars. That story is on the way. Okay, now let's talk about Lexus. Uh, we talked about uh, Toyota a little bit. Lexus uh, taking us by surprise with their EV strategy. Top Gear magazine sat down with their president about the road-going equivalent of the car that we've seen teased already as their swoopy supercar, the electrified sport. Top Gear learning that a manual gearbox will be simulated through software which will artificially limit the power of the electric motor until you change gears. Now... Long-term listeners know. <laughs> even even newbies know. Toyota, I think, have some learning to do in EV world. But Toyota, listen, you know that I've had my ups and downs with you. But listen, Toyota, if you think the way forward is to build an EV with a software-locked gearbox so that you can only unlock a certain amount of power until you put the clutch down and change it from first to second and do a software-simulated manual gearbox, you are even more stupid than I thought. Let's talk BYD. And BYD are in the news, the China Automotive Battery Innovation Alliance. It goes a mouthful. Data for last month in July uh, showed that China made 47.2 gigawatt hours of batteries for EVs. That's almost 200% up on the same time last year. And who's doing well? Well, CATL continues to lead the way in terms of the overall EV battery market. But following closely, BYD, CALB, Goshion, Sunwoda as well. And actually, BYD surpassing CATL in the total capacity of lithium-ion phosphate batteries. And why is that interesting? Because they make their blade battery and they are now supplying Tesla for their German factory. So BYD taking the number one spot ahead of CATL there for the first time. Now, talking Tesla as well, they've stopped taking orders for their Model 3 Long Range, one of their most popular cars in the US and Canada. A uh, new business model uh, being adopted to avoid delivery times just stretching on indefinitely. Um, I can't remember a time when they stopped taking orders for the Model 3, apart from when they've stopped making, certainly, like the standard range, the $35,000 one, for example. But uh, there's so much of a rush to order electric vehicles right now as people catch on. It becomes mainstream. People don't like high gas prices. The Model 3 long range is now greyed out on the design studio. Head into the configurator, and it'll simply say, available 2023. Now, until now, it was on sale for $58,000, which is incredible because people still think of Tesla as affordable cars my goodness me a, a model 3 for fifty-eight thousand dollars. wow those prices have really been creeping up haven't they and uh the model 3 could be one of the vehicles eligible for the ev tax credit if you earn under the amount it is made in the us but the battery is the thing that i haven't had um answered well enough in that i think too much of it is processed in china but anyway we'll wait and see and finally london's cycle scheme the santander cycles or as they used to be called the boris bikes when he was mayor of london um they're adding 500 e-bikes and that's really good news now for the last couple of years i've worked mostly from home before i stopped my radio career that was about 25 years and not very illustrious i was working in soho 
uh, Golden Square, if you know London, by the way, uh, for one of the two big radio groups running there, some, some of their national radio stations. And um, I always used to get off the train from Poole to Waterloo, jump on a Santander cycle. And it was great. It was like a couple of quid. I forget what it cost me. But now they're adding e-bikes. And I would definitely have done that because there was a couple of big hills uh, to get to work. Always got to work a bit sweaty, but that was always early doors in the morning. And we had showers at work and stuff. So, um, But an e-bike means you can get there fresh as a daisy. Now, the new e-bikes are going to be across London's locations. Uh, a new pricing scheme as well, if you're interested. Uh, for 30 minutes, £1.65, which replaces the old £2, but for unlimited rides, or there's a new 20 quid a month subscription to give you unlimited rides. Um, that's really cool. And if I still worked in London, I absolutely would jump on those bikes and hopefully get an e-bike as much as possible. But saying that, Waterloo in the morning, there was always a queue and the bikes would arrive on the back of diesel trucks because they'd be moved from, you know, less popular locations back to the train station. So it was always funny to think, well, I'm riding my bike. I'm doing a good thing. And then it would turn up on a big diesel, like hundreds of them, a big truck, and they'd unload them and put them back into the rack. And then you, I'd swipe my card and off we go. About a 10-minute bike ride to get into Soho. And that is your podcast for today. Thanks for listening. Question of the week, taking a, a wee break for a while, but it will return. Thank you so much to our premium partners of the podcast. That's you, Phil Roberts of Electric Future. Phil Roberts is running one of the most interesting energy solar storage companies uh, that I know of. He's a good friend as well. And uh, make sure you check out ef.energy uh, or his other business, Sun User. But they're kind of busy at the minute because everybody wants solar panels. So maybe maybe don't look up Sun User. <laughs> He'll tell me off for saying that. No, he's too busy. <laughs> I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. I am jesting. Thank you, Brad Crosby. Thank you, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati. Thank you, Audi of Cincinnati East and Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East. National Car Charging are on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley from the EV Review Island YouTube channel. Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Juice, they make public charging simple with one card, one map and one app and millbrickcottages.co.uk. Five star luxury cottages in Devon. You can book online, head to the website and choose your accommodation. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.